Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcasts. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else, however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. For those of you who, who know the song, for if you don't, that was Jackson Brown and his hit single, Running on Empty. The album with that title was released in 1977. It reached number three on the Billboard pop charts. And the single peaked at number 11 that year. I like music, and, and that, that's, that's one of my favorites. He's one of my favorite artists, by the way. Well, that song is, is really appropriate this morning because we pretty much run our course with the book of Colossians. <laughs> and if you recall our series, it's been called Filler Up Jesus. And I'm calling this installment this morning real people. Now, we've talked about this, this book quite a bit. We know that this was actually a letter that the Apostle Paul sent from a Roman prison cell, and it was delivered to a, a church in this little obscure little town called Colossae. And he encouraged that church to stand up under spreading persecution and to be filled with their understanding and relationship with Jesus. And I, I think if we're, we're all honest, we've all had our times where we felt like we were running on empty. Have you ever said anything like, if I can just make it until... You know, there, there's an old Merle Haggard song, if we can make it through December. You understand where I'm coming from? And it's, it's just, I think it's human nature that we just try to push ourselves just as far as we can, just to see just how far we can go. And when we get to that point, it's, it's really about survival. And if you know anything about survival and what they say about surviving... If, you're, if that's the way we're living, we're missing out on everything that Jesus has to offer us. And that's why I've been saying every week, when we live according to our desires, we're going to run on empty. Jesus fills us up to live the full kingdom life. And this series has been based on the words of Jesus from John chapter 10. The thief's purpose is to steal to kill, and to destroy. And my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And that satisfying life is the kingdom life. That's what we've been talking about these past several weeks. And that's experienced within the context of community. And in that context, Jesus fills up real people for real community. Now, it, you've probably heard it said, 
It takes a village to raise a child. Well, it takes real people to build a real community. The problem with community, and this is what one person said, is there's people in it. And that's true. Authentic community, which involves sharing and living life together, it really does take a lot of work. And sometimes it gets really messy. Have you ever gotten involved a little bit more than you wanted to be? It got a little messy. And that's because people aren't perfect. And they make mistakes, and some of us more than others. And in our success-driven culture... It puts so much emphasis on image and status, what we look like and what we do. And consequently, we often try to hide the things that make us look like we're less than everybody else. And that mindset, we tend to put on masks and hide who we are. And those masks, that's the enemy to real authentic community. And when Jesus came, He introduced us to the kingdom that does not discriminate between winners and losers. And He breaks down the walls that divides, that that divide and unites people from every race and culture and creed through the power of the cross. And that's why Jesus prayed for us as part of a united church in John chapter 17. You remember that prayer? I've referred to it a few times during this series. In verse 20, Jesus said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. He's talking about you and me. I pray that they all will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. When we work for authentic community, we're participating in that, the answer to that prayer that Jesus prayed. When we're working for community, when we're working for unity, we're participating in the answer. You follow me? We're participating with Jesus when that's our goal. So let's look at our text this morning, Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to go on to the end, beginning in verse 7. Let's see, did I, yeah, I've got it, I've got it spelled out there for you. So you can kind of, kind of pronounce the name Tychicus. Tychicus will give you a full report about how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother and a faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and encourage you. I'm also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Now, I think we've said this a few times, Paul never actually visited Colossae. He heard about what was going on in the church through Epaphras, who was a disciple of Timothy. So Paul hears about that. He decides that he wants to write a letter, 
And so he shared his ministry through the work of his helpers, people who visited him there in prison, who happened to be Tychicus and Onesimus. And these guys are they're, they're lesser-known characters in the New Testament, but they, they're actually kind of central figures as the church grew through the first couple of centuries. Now, if you look at Tychicus and Onesimus, it's almost like a, com- a comparison and contrast kind of situation. Because you, you, we read about Tychicus, first of all, in, in the book of Acts. Paul makes a reference to him as a member of his traveling party on his third missionary journey. You know, it's just one of those names we just kind of blur over because, you know, how do you pronounce that anyway? But he, he went with Paul through Asia Minor and actually was involved in, in the trip that went to Rome whenever Paul went to appear before Caesar. Paul referred to him as a dear brother and a faithful servant in the Lord. So if you think about Tychicus, think about him like this. He's the kind of guy that everybody likes. He's always willing to help out. He's always willing to get involved. He's there and he's, he's available. Every time the doors are open, he's there and he's, he's ready to help out. He was the good, helpful guy. And then there's Onesimus. Now, Onesimus appears four other times in Scripture. His name appears. And it's actually in one place, and that's in the book of Philemon. And if you remember, Paul is writing Philemon about Onesimus because he met him while he was in prison. He was a runaway slave. And we don't know the details of why he ran away. We don't know what the, what the reason was that he was a slave. But he's in prison because he ran away. And Paul meets him there and he actually becomes a believer through his interactions with, with the Apostle Paul. Well, apparently... This, by this time that Paul's writing to the Colossian church, Onesimus has gotten out of jail and he's living in their community. So Paul sends a little endorsement, if you will, of Onesimus as a trusted servant, despite those black marks that are on his record. Now why am I bringing all this up? Are are we willing to take a chance on people? You know, we 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 say that, you know, what God loves everybody and and he wants everybody to be part of his church, but you know, we find out that somebody's got a little bit of a, a checkered record and you know, and then we we start, you know, well, can can I come help out with this? Well, I don't know. I think we've got all of our slots filled, and you know, or you know, and, and it just make these barriers for people to to participate with us. Not everybody does that, but sometimes we do. And when we we hear the stuff that's not so favorable, you know, it's like, well, why can't this guy be more like Tychicus instead of Onesimus? You know, I mean, we 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 don't we don't want to get a reputation in our church. You ever, you ever feel that way? True Christian community creates a safe atmosphere where people can make attempts to do things for the Lord. And in that atmosphere, it's also safe to fail. 
You know, and that's the thing about our culture. We don't, wanna, we don't want failures. We don't want losers in our group. We want people who succeed and they look successful. And everybody doesn't look successful. Everybody doesn't look like, like they've got it all together. And most people don't have it together anyway. Real community shares vision and mission and empowers new leaders. You see, vision and mission and empowerment are all shared within the context of discipleship. And that's what Paul wrote to Timothy in in his second letter to Timothy, chapter 2, verse 2. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. There's no quote that, that says, you know, people don't care how much you know, they want to know how much you care. And sometimes that might be difficult for us. But it goes back to, are, are we willing to take that chance? Are we willing to make that investment? Because discipleship is an investment in, in people through relationship. And in Proverbs 25, Solomon talks about what it's like to, to have someone who, who is a blessing, who's willing to serve. He says it like this, like a cooling snow that breaks the heat of a harvest day. If you can imagine what it would be like to have snow in September in Washington County, oh my goodness, that'd be so awesome. Well, just for a day, just to cool things off. <laughs> okay, Amanda's not a fan. So the messenger who is faithful to who is faithful to those who send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. That was one of the things whenever Danelle and I, we, we got out of vocational ministry and we decided we wanted to be involved in, in a church, we wanted just to be available so that we could help and just make it easier. And, and we, we, at the time, we had, a, we had a pastor that, you know, he was, he's, he's trying to grow the church and, you know, and, and it was, we, we just felt like it was, it was something we could offer that he didn't have to worry about us being at church on Sunday. And he didn't have to worry about us whenever we, we were given a responsibility that we would take care of that thing. And I, and I, I look back on that and I, 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 I hope that I have people like that in my life as, as, as I move on in ministry. But there, I wanted to tell you a story about this guy that I met a couple of years ago. Uh, I went with, with uh, John, John and Marie Barnett on a, it, it was, they called it a tour. Really all we did was we just played at a few churches on our way up to a worship leaders retreat in North Carolina. And we went to this church that was in, in Atlanta. It's a, kind of a small church. It was, you know, more of the traditional style, two aisles. And, and uh, they had, they had b- actually bought an a old Baptist church and then they, they had tricked it out and made it, made it into to what met their needs. This is just a, it's a small vineyard church, probably maybe just a little over 100 members. But uh, we, we played there that Sunday morning. It was a great service. And then afterwards, we're having lunch. And this guy comes up, and he's got a suit on. And he was about this tall. And he starts talking to me about the church. And... You know, and I'm, I'm looking at him already, and it's like, well, he's got a suit on. Like, the, you, you know, this is a vineyard, right? You don't have to dress up. But he's 
he, he, he starts talking to me about the church. And he was telling me, you know, how they, they came about getting the building. And then he started talking to me about the, the, the communities that surrounded the church. Well, over in this neighborhood, there's the, this, this sort of people. And, and then this neighborhood and this neighborhood. And we're trying to figure out how we can reach all three. Like, Wow. And he's talking about things that they've got planned, and he's talking about all these things. He's really excited. And so we, we've been talking now for about 30 minutes, and, and so, you know, he, he's, he keeps talking about, you know, what, what, what they have coming and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I said, so, so what do you do around here? Are, are, are you the pastor? And he looks at me like, no. No, I'm the head usher. And I just looked at the guy. But, but I thought about that. It was like, wouldn't it be awesome if, when, if we were that excited about what God was doing in our community? And we're just, we're, we're just testifying it to whoever shows up. And I didn't know any better. And, you know, I, I, was, I was completely blown away. And, and, and I, I've been telling Danelle about that church. And if we ever go back to Atlanta, we're going to go to that church on a Sunday morning. Of course, you know, got to work things out here at home first. But... but it's, it's exciting when we see people who've invested into what God is doing in, in the community. I got to move on. So I, I want to talk to you now a little bit about people who we might run across as we get together in a community like ours. And this is going to be out of the rest of the text from, from Colossians. But we see that Paul conveyed greetings from six different colleagues to the Colossian church. So in verse 10, Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. And so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what a comfort they've been. Epaphras a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings, and so does Demas. Well, the first person that was in that list was Aristarchus. Aristarchus was from the, the city of Thessalonica. He's listed as one of Paul's traveling companions in the book of Acts on his third missionary journey, journey to, in his trip to Rome. And he's currently in prison with Paul because of preaching the gospel. Real community is made up of people in the same situation as us. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like, nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody gets me. Well, I can assure you that God will bring you into a community like this so that you can, you can know that you don't have to feel like you're alone, that you don't have to feel like that there's, there's nobody that understands who I am. But it, 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 you know, there's that willingness to, to, to know and be known. But we want to be a community where there's no judgment and no condemnation for wherever we come from. And then we look at Mark, Barnabas' son. 
or cousin, sorry. I don't know why I said son. I guess I was looking at my, my son on the front row. Now, if you know the story of Mark, he was a member of the church in Jerusalem and is attributed to be the author of the gospel that bears his name. Well, Mark had a checkered past with the Apostle Paul. If you remember, he went with Paul on the first missionary journey, but at some point along the way, and we don't know what happened, but Mark decided to leave. And Paul was really depending on Mark at, at this juncture, and so when he left, it caused, it caused some conflict between Paul and Barnabas. Well, they come on back home, and they're getting ready to go back out to, to follow up and, and to see how those churches are doing that they had started. And Barnabas comes to, to Paul and says, hey, you know, Mark's really sorry. He'd like to go with us. Would you let him go? And Scripture tells us that the, their dis disagreement was so sharp that they broke their association. Barnabas went one way, and Paul went another, and got somebody else to help him out. Well, here, Paul recognizes Mark as a brother. There's been some time that's passed. And he instructs the Colossian church to welcome him just the same. Real community is made up of people with a checkered past. We make mistakes. We don't do the, the, the things that we'd like to. Sometimes we do things and we, we think we're doing the right thing and, and they actually hurt people. And we, in order to be able to, to be in community together, we've, we have to be willing to forgive. We have to be willing to let go of, of those hurts. And some of them are really near and dear to our heart. And we, you know, you don't understand what they did to me. There's an old saying, real community is the place where we receive the grace to face our mistakes. We don't need to hold our past against each other. We just need to love each other in spite of our past. And Paul also lists justice, the one that he refers to as Jesus. Justice is possibly the one referred in Acts 2 also as Joseph or Bersabbas. Now, all three of these people so far, Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice, these are referred to as Jewish men, or in the original language, part of the circumcision group. Now, if you're, if you're familiar with, with Paul, Paul was very hard on those who tried to make circumcision a condition of being saved. So at some point, I'm guessing, these guys and Paul, they worked it out. And Paul is saying that these are good guys. These are people you can count on. These are people that you can trust. And he made them partners in the work of the gospel. And they worked for unity in the message of Christ. Real community is made up of people with different theological positions. Did you know that you don't have to agree with everybody? To go to church together? We don't have to have the same theological positions. We don't. But if those theological positions serve to, to divide, then we've got to work through them. 20 years ago, whenever Danelle and I discovered the vineyard, 
We walked in and they were saying this, this, this statement over and over and over again. And that statement was, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. In the church, our theological positions need to take a back seat to unity. Too many times we, we tend to focus on the minors. And we, 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 we major on the minors and we minor on the majors. That's what I was going to say. We make the minor things the big things instead of making the big things what they should be and allow those things to unify us. Paul also refers to Epaphras. He was the one who shared the gospel in Colossae, planted the church there. And he was a disciple of Paul's disciple, Timothy. He was the product of what Paul and Timothy had modeled for each other. Paul was confident he would do the same for the Colossian church. Real community is made up of people who invest in each other. And we've already talked a little bit about discipleship. But when we find people that we, we want to take an interest in, you know, you, you get to know somebody and it's like, you know, I, I really want to, want to get to know them. And, I, and, and you know, we, Vern and I have been, been meeting for breakfast. And I, I, it's, he asks me questions sometimes and, I, and I've, I've, I feel myself kind of twitching in my seat a little bit. But he's, he's, he's committed to, to me to meet for, for breakfast for, for these few weeks. And, and, and it, it's, it's been such a blessing to my life. And then, you know, he didn't have to do that, but we, we've, we've started doing that. And when was the last time that you that you've came across somebody and was like, hey, why don't, why don't we go out to eat and let's talk, let's get to know each other a little bit better? And use that as, as, as a vehicle towards encouraging someone in their faith. Because, you know, the, the, discipleship's not a program. It's really not. It, it, it runs through relationship. And when we, we, we've... We take the initiative and, and try to invest in people's lives. We'll see the fruit of that. And that fruit, it feeds the unity that we have together in the church. And let's not forget Luke, the be beloved doctor who sends his greetings. Real community is made up of people from different walks of life. Thank God. Thank God that we have, have different perspectives. Thank God that we have different people with, with different talents and abilities that we can learn from and draw from. You know, it, it'd be nice. I, I, I've always thought it would be awesome if we had, you know, if we had an electrician and we had a, we've got a few construction people in this, in, in this room right now. But, but if we had somebody, you know, we got a plumber. So, you know, we could, we could take care of all the needs in the church. Right here in this room. You know, I used to work on computers. I, there's a reason why I don't work on them anymore. But, um, but we, we can help each other. We can invest in each other. We can share our gifts with one another and be a blessing. And if you know anything about the first century church, whenever they would gather together, you might see a slave owner 
sitting next to a slave, sitting next to somebody who owned property, to see somebody who, who was a doctor like, like Dr. Luke. And you, you might have all of these different professionals sitting on the same pew next to each other on a Sunday morning. You see, a diverse church is the best pre presentation of the gospel that the world will ever see. And whenever we have a, a diverse church, culturally, racially, that testifies that God is among us. Because only God can bring us together like that. You know, the, the institutions of this world have tried to bring people together. They've tried it. And they failed miserably because they don't have the, the element that holds it all together, which is the Holy Spirit of God. And then finally, there's Demas. There are three references to Demas. This one, and then in Paul's letter to Philemon, and Paul's second letter to Timothy. In his letter to Timothy... Paul refers to Demas as one who deserted me because he loves the thing of his, things of this life. This, that letter was, was written after this letter to Colossians. And this was toward the end of Paul's life. Real people, real community is made up of, of people who've walked away from us. And it hurts when people walk away. It hurts when people say that they don't want to have anything to do with us anymore. Or they don't say anything at all, at, at all and just disappear. Still, Jesus calls us to love everybody, including those who do us wrong. Remember what he said in John 13? I'm giving you a new commandment to love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I'll just tell you this this morning. Don't ever give up on those who walk away from the faith. And never, ever doubt the power of your prayers. We don't know what God's doing. We can't see what God's doing. But I trust in the fact, in God's nature, that He's always at work. And that He's always moving. And He's always working. And he's the one who holds our hearts. He's the one who, who can make the changes that need to happen in a person's life. And then finally in Colossians chapter 4, verse 15. Just some brief greetings here. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha, the church that meets in her house. And after you've read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it. And you should read the letter that I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry that the Lord gave you. See, Paul acknowledges people like Epaphras who've been faithful in the things that they do. And he, he acknowledges the church in Laodicea, which was, was likely a smaller church at this point in time. He refers to Nympha, who's leading a home group in her home. And Archippus, who's mentioned in the letter to Philemon, later on he became the bishop of that church that was in Laodicea. Real community honors 
and encourages all who serve. There's nothing that's, that's too important and there's nothing that's not important in the work of the kingdom of God. There's nothing that's unimportant. Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, The greatest among you will, must be a servant. And those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I don't know about you, but I think it's better to humble myself than be humbled. And I've experienced both. It's much better to take the initiative on my part and humble myself. And then from the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said, If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. He, Jesus nails our, our, our humanity there, doesn't He? In verse 18... Paul writes, here's my greeting in my own handwriting. Remember my change. May God's grace be with you. This was, this was a thing that they, that, that they did in ancient writing that whenever the person who was dictating the letter, at the end he would sign his own name. So when they read that letter, they could see the, the differences in the handwriting and know that this came directly from Paul. Real community invites us to be known. Another way to say that is to be vulnerable. And we were talking about vulnerability a, a couple of weeks ago in, in our, our date night community group. You know, and sometimes we think about vulnerability as being, you know, like the dog that rolls over and shows his belly. But rather than, than, than that, it, it's actually just an invitation. Get to know me. I want to get to know you. And, and that was essentially what Paul was saying to the church. I may never meet you on this side of heaven, but I want you to know that I care about you and I'm invested in you as a community. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves, but you are my friends since I have told you everything that the Father has told me. And I'm going to close this morning with, with Scripture from Hebrews chapter 10. The writer says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Can we stand together this morning?